Hi and welcome to the Bizink podcast. I'm here with uh, Mike Kramer of Manage Hub. Thanks for coming along today, Mike. It's my pleasure. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna have a talk about um, all kinds of things related to small business and and accounting. But um, could you give us a a short background before we before we get started, please? Yeah, I'm a CPA by profession, but early on I started, of all things, a, an FDA-licensed pharmaceutical repackaging business. We were licensed by the Food and Drug Administration as a manufacturer and, I don't know, 30-plus states um, uh, by the DEA. So I was involved in a very heavily regulated industry. Uh, compliance was uh, really important, and my CPA background really benefited me in that. I exited that that business, and uh, ever since, I've been helping Smaller organizations adopt quality management practices with uh, always flavored with my CPA background, um, helping organizations become more systematic. I call it the three S's, uh, sustainable, scalable, and saleable. Okay, great. Um, So we'll talk a little bit more how you you actually do that um, through ManageHub and and the kind of theory behind that. Something that I'm interested in to kind of kick things off is um, looking at your website. You, you have something on there called the L-shaped curve. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Well, one of the reasons I became very interested in this was I started to become more and more familiar with the statistics, uh, the, the statistics related to the survivability of small businesses and the trends. And the L-shaped curve refers to the shape of the curve, the survivability of a business over time. And in the beginning, in the first early years, the curve is very uh, steep, you know, as you would expect, because most organizations uh, who are going to go out of business go out in those early years because they haven't found their traction. They haven't found their secret sauce, so they go out. But it always puzzled me why established businesses who survive those early first years continue to fail. And I had this hypothesis that these businesses are failing for the wrong reasons. And the wrong reasons are they simply don't have the scalable management infrastructure in place to survive. And so um, the L-shaped curve, I call it the problem of the L-shaped curve. And it's very important for the business owner and their employees and their families, but also local economies and national economies to figure this out and help businesses survive in the long term, become more sustainable um, for the sake of, you know, our economies. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a certain point where businesses struggle to get past that? I asked this because um, someone said this to me recently, uh, uh, an accountant, and it was something that somebody said to me years ago at the start of my business career, um, that a lot of businesses start to get struggle when they get to around a million turnovers. So someone said that to me in the UK, it's like a million pounds. Someone said, here, it's a million dollars, which which isn't quite the same. But um, do, do you think there's a, a certain point they reach which they can't grow past? And, and can that point be measured with, with something like turnover? Yeah, it's very, very interesting that you mention this because there are these inflection points in the growth of an organization. And early on, if they've survived that, those early years, they found their secret sauce. And if mm. you think of the growth curve of the business, um, they're, they're just skyrocketing. Mm. And they're so excited. We made it, right? And so, but then they start, that growth starts to slow. And it, they still grow, so they're excited, but 
now they're suffering from what I call the growing and slowing pains, mm -hmm. right? Uh, they're becoming overwhelmed with the volume of work, right? And then that, that growth slows into a plateau. Mm -hmm. And that plateau, most organizations stay on that plateau for a very, very long time until their secret sauce no longer is tasty as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And now they, they're in decline. So what happens when they're in that plateau? Why can't they break through? And I talk to many business owners who their secret sauce is working. They could turn on that marketing engine. They can, they can get new clients. But for some reason, um, every inch up is met by an inch down on their on their growth chart. They just mm. they're up and down. I call it the the bumpy road to nowhere. You know, it's just like up and down and up and down. They spent all this money on marketing. And what's every marketing person tell you? You're going to have a certain amount of attrition. So yeah. you better be spending money on marketing. But there, I have a theory that's very important for small business owners to think about. It, it's the homeostasis of growth. A and what it says is a business can only grow to the point where it's delivering consistent quality to all customers. Mm -hmm. The moment they can no longer deliver consistent quality to all customers, it doesn't matter how much money they spend on marketing. They could bring in customers in the front door. They're going to lose just as many customers out the back door. Mm -hmm. So for, for organizations who are plateaued, my advice to them is this. Do an assessment of your attrition. Go to every single customer who's left and ask them why they left. You may find out that it's not normal attrition. They were just disappointed that you weren't there for them when they needed you, or they noticed a quality not being what they were used to. Mm -hmm. They were somehow dissatisfied. And if this is the case, stop spending your money on marketing. Keep it just going enough to keep it, that plateau going. Mm -hmm. But what you want to do is focus on building scalable infrastructure that can support delivering consistent quality to all customers, new and old, and you're going to see magic happen. You're going to start growing. Okay. And and do you think that's because there's a management issue there where, um, you know, um, people have been used to running a small business, that they're very hands-on. It's kind of like the, the e-myth that they're in the business, but they can't get kind of on the business, as, as that book would say, and, and kind of delegate that responsibility out? Do you think that's that's part of that issue? Yeah. What happens is you've got to think of the psychology of the entrepreneur. When they're starting out, they only think about their, their product, what it looks like, and that secret sauce. How do I get people in the door, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're very focused like a laser on marketing and product. Then they, they turn to accounting, right, when they have to because now they're making money. Now I got to fill out tax return or I have to get a bank loan. I need to focus on money, on accounting. But they don't think about management until they're already suffering those growing and slowing pains. Mm -hmm. So they haven't built that scalable infrastructure. And what if you really hyper-analyze what's happening here is that, you know, they probably hired a few people at this point. They may have five or ten employees. And what's the horrible advice that everybody gets? And they say it's the best advice, but it's really the most horrible advice. Delegate work to good people. Find yeah. good people and set them free, right? Well, I think that's the, the basis of the problem because, yes, you have to have good people. That's, everybody was looking for those really good people. 
And when you do find a really good person and you delegate work to them, now you could wow, I'm all of a sudden you could breathe easy, right? You're all that work is now being done by Bob or Betty. Mm-hmm. But really what's happening is you're being lulled into a false sense of security. Because now those operations, the knowledge, everything related to the work that you delegated is now owned by Bob and Betty. And Bob and Betty might be fantastic and you may love each other. But all of a sudden, Bob and Betty start to realize that knowledge is power. And sometimes a Bob or a Betty will become – they'll start using that knowledge as a political force against you. Mm. Instead, what I suggest is to delegate responsibility responsibly. And what that means is document the know-how of performing the operation before you delegate it. Or if you are desperate to hire because you're growing, 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 make it one of the fundamental roles of Bob and Betty when you hire them to document the work. And everybody has to understand that the business owns the knowledge and not the individual. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, that's going to save the, every, if people hear that, it's going to save them a lot of problems. It, it might even help them avoid uh, the plateau. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, so do you think that is that, that that's the greatest issue, that plateau? Or are there some, some other issues you really see commonly with, with small businesses that have kind of reached a, um, they kind of come to a standstill? Well, there's a, a host of issues, as you know. You have to, a business is like a human being. You go to the doctor, and hopefully you have a good internist, and they're looking at all your systems, and you're figuring out what is and what, isn't, what isn't working, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you really have to, how you have to look at a business. It's like a living organism and all its parts. And uh, that's really a, a kind of a nice segue into why I have embraced the Baldridge Leadership Framework, mm-hmm. because it really looks at the the business from a holistic point of view, looking at the quality of its leaders, their strategies, their customer awareness and focus, their operations and their workforce and how engaged they are. And if all the, all those elements work together, including the culture and the systems they've built, the knowledge systems and accounting systems, then they should, they should get the results they want if all of these elements are functioning together, integrated, just like your body works, your heart and your kidneys. Everything has to uh, function like a symphony orchestra of, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know how it works. But uh, if you think about a business, all those elements, you know, your people have to be engaged if you're going to have good strategy. Mm -hmm. Your people have to be engaged if they're going to satisfy the needs of the customer. So it's all works together. So maybe we talk about Baldridge in a second. Um, I'm just going to jump on your doctor analogy. Um, yeah. So we um, at BizInc work with um, accountants, CPAs, bookkeepers. What role do you see those financial advisors in having? Are they like the – should they be performing that doctor role? Yes, they should be the internist. Mm-hmm. They're in the very, very best position to help the business holistically. They are, are looking at the numbers. Um, they're talking. They have a relationship with the owner um, or the operators and managers. Um, they have a sense of what is or isn't working, um, and they can offer support. Mm-hmm. And if they're good, they will offer they, – they'll realize that they can't do it all. They could bring in specialists. Um, you, you mentioned uh, what could go wrong. You know, well, the numbers could be a mess, right? Mm-hmm. They they may not have good 
accounting systems in place, and obviously the accountant's going to help them with that. But they also may not have good marketing systems in place. Uh, their sales methods may be owned by salespeople. They don't even know how the salespeople sell. Or their marketing um, is not uh, uh, systematic. Or they don't even have a repeatable sales process. So, Or all of their sales are concentrated in just a few customers. All of these things um, weigh down heavily on a business and its growth and its value. Okay. Um, so I think what you probably described to me is how I see the ideal role of a, you know, an accountant and, and working with a business. But I don't see that happening a lot. Um, mm. do, you know, wh wh where do you see that gap is with... Um, you know, with accountants working with, with with small businesses, let's just focus on on the U.S. for example. Um, how how many firms do you actually think are doing that kind of work with with their business clients? Well, you know, uh, management advisory services has always been a part of the accounting practice. Mm -hmm. um, however, since the '90s or late '80s, '90s, um, I I've seen a trend where accounting firms kind of gave that up or they spun it off. Like um, some of the big accounting firms just spun off their management advisory services into uh, other firms. Um, and smaller and regional firms, they start to focus more on tax work and mm -hmm. audits um, and less on, you know, being that internist. And I think that that's been a detriment to not only the businesses that they serve, but also to their practice. Uh, why would you give up that kind of influence? The accountant should be the most trusted advisor, the first call when anything goes wrong before a major decision is made. But I wonder how many business owners really view their accountant that way anymore. I think they view them as the person they give their books to to prepare their tax returns mm. or to do their payroll. But they don't think of them as the most trusted advisor. Now, that's you know, there's a whole industry of business coaches out there, and many of them, um, they don't have the background of an accountant. But they're getting advice from people who, you know, <laughs> call themselves a business coach. Yeah, right. Well, I, I would rather uh, the accountant um, regain control of that most trusted advisor status if, they, if they've lost it. Why do you think small practices lost that? Uh, well, I think that just – I think there's been a lot of money in, in tax work and audit work and uh -huh. they just, uh, you know – um, they're spending a lot of time working with a business advisor on their strategy or uh, helping them manage through problems. And they just found that it was much easier to have a replicable, their own replicable uh, sales process um, through tax and audit. But I think that there's a, a mistake here because look what's happened to the automation within accounting uh, industry uh, with QuickBooks and Zero and all the automation. Uh, the write-up business is, um, you know, changed dramatically from when I started out as an accountant. I mean, I remember that people literally would bring in a box of receipts and then, you know, or a check writer, and then you'd kind of scroll, uh, uh, I don't know, five times, you'd turn the page, and there'd be more and more and more columns that you'd have to cross-book by hand. It was crazy, you know? Um, and now, you know, it's all done. It's yeah. you know, it's all automated. So all that kind of write up work is gone. And so at least now that the bookkeeping side of it could be more sophisticated. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, and tax work, it seems like it's also being automated out of the hands of the accountants. You know, um, to to kind of uh, quasi professionals. 
So I, I think there's a risk in giving up such a lucrative, potentially lucrative area, um, management advisory services, mass. Mm-hmm. They, they should regain it. They should take it back. Um, I could show you um, and share with you an easy way for them to do that. Okay. I, I see management advisory services being the yin to accounting's yang or the yang to accounting's yang, <laughs> whichever you prefer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, they kind of yeah. go together perfectly. Yeah, and yeah, why yeah. would you give that up? Yeah, no, I agree. Um so, so Baldridge, um, can you tell us a little bit more about, about that? Because that kind of is, is, is behind everything you do, right? Yeah. So um, I've associated myself in everything that I do with the Baldridge Quality Award Program. And if you're not familiar with Baldridge, you can go to baldridgepe.org. And you'll see uh, what the Baldrige program is about. And it was established by an act of the United States Congress in 1987, specifically to encourage businesses to start adopting quality management practices to become more competitive. It's since been adopted worldwide by businesses, large and small, throughout the world. Uh, There's 80 Baldrige-based quality award programs around the world. And Baldrige uh, Baldrige is basically... Total Quality Management, TQM, um, socialized for uh, an organization to adopt by everybody. Uh, Total Quality Management was, um, again, (laughs) the more you learn about quality management, the more you realize it doesn't matter if you talk about books like Good to Create and E-Myth or if you talk about ISO or Six Sigma or Pick Your Poison. It doesn't matter. There's a common thread that unites all of these quality type methods. They all require the same basic types of things. What Baldrige did is it codified it. Mm-hmm. Now Baldrige, Baldrige is managed by the National Institute of Standards and Technology in Washington. And um, anybody can go to the baldridgepe.org, click on the national program and download the criteria for performance excellence. It's it's like good to great and e-myth all wrapped up into one with a bunch of questions that uh, will help you think through holistically what is and isn't working in your organization. And so you could think about creating a gap analysis. And um, so, yeah, Baldrige. Okay, great. Um, do you think that applies down to small businesses? Like, um, or, or is it kind of, you know, is there a size band that that fits? Yeah. So it's just like a book like Good to Great and Emeth. All right. They're, they're theoretical. And this is the problem that most small businesses have with these theoretical models is that they have to translate it into reality. Mm. So you, when, when Jim Collins in Good to Great talks about a consistent system, he says every business needs a consistent system, and he mentions it a couple of times in the book, but doesn't elaborate what that consistent system is. Yeah. To me, I think he's referring to the Baldrige framework. You need a holistic framework that takes into account leadership and strategy and customer focus and operations and workforce and having the right knowledge and accounting systems and you have an overarching culture of excellence – and when everything works together and you have a consistent system, you get the results you want. Mm. But how do you build that? Yeah. Right? <laughs> so so the largest companies with deep, deep pockets, they could hire an army of consultants to come in and build it. Build it, right? But a small organization, um, they love to read a book like Good to Great and E-Myth and all these others and to learn about quality management. But how do you translate that into practice? You know, mm-hmm. It becomes very frustrating, very, very frustrating. But here's the most important thing to, to remember. Every successful small business, you walk into a restaurant that hums, you know, or you walk into a uh, – 
uh, an electronics store and like, wow, it's just uh, the systems are in place or your accounting firm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how many accounting firms can you say function with excellence? You know, uh, the accounting firms need Baldrige too. Every business needs it. But every business that is humming along, that is not suffering growing and slowing pains, that is systematic and efficient and lean and whose employees are engaged and has uh, innovation, you know, uh, an innovation cycle and a continuous improvement cycle, uh, these businesses have figured it out with or without knowing what Baldrige is. Mm-hmm. So um, in every business that's growing and thriving, they have a Baldrige-based kind of framework in place. Our mission, uh, Manage Hub's mission, is to make this type of excellence accessible to everybody, just like QuickBooks and Xero has has made accounting excellence really accessible to the masses. We want to make Baldrige-based excellence accessible to the masses. We don't want there to be any excuse to come in with a box of receipts, you know, and say, yeah, yeah. figure this out for me, you know. Okay, okay. So that's that's our mission. Um, so we'll talk about the software in just a second. Um, yeah. One part of that when, when you're talking about it is um, I agree that, um, you know, it, you read a book, you get excited. It all makes sense when you're reading it. And then, you know, it goes in the too hard basket because, you know, um, it's just ideas, isn't it? So, so having that framework is really important. Um, another aspect of actually getting things done, I think um, I've come to view as more important is is having some accountability there. How important do you see that as? Well, you just hit on a very, very important point. And this is one of the reasons why it's so critical to have the accountants and to have a, a professional kind of oversee the adoption of quality management in an organization. Because uh, here's two things. One is that quality management is not that fun to start implementing, especially when you don't have the systems in place. Because what you're going to need to do is start documenting step-by-step operating procedures, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is no fun. All right. But without having step-by-step operating procedures as a starting point, you don't have an internal standard of excellence for the work that's performed on a day-in and day-out basis. Mm -hmm. That's one piece of the puzzle. The other piece of the puzzle is that you need to engage your people in documenting and improving the work that they perform. That's how you create leaders at all levels of your organization. And here's something – I have another theory. I I guess I have too many theories. Um, (laughs) This one is collaboration does not happen by itself. It has to be managed. Somebody internally or externally is going to have to be the person who engages people in this behavior that's not really natural because Mm. people really don't want to collaborate really all that much, you know, and they don't want meetings and they want, you know, they don't want, um, you know, collaboration is difficult. You have to listen, actively listen to other people's point of view and uh, modify and be willing to modify your point of view. So the accountant um, or the accountant's staff, because this can be delegated to staff. And this is another thing to talk about, really, is that uh, if an accounting firm adopts um, Baldrige-based management advisory type services, uh, they can oversee – the um, this initiative, but they could delegate this to staff, and uh, the staff initially can serve the role of a co- accountability coach and the collaboration facilitator. But the ultimate goal is to help the organization itself hold itself accountable to its own strategic vision and 
create internal collaboration coordinators who manage and facilitate the internal collaboration. Um, if they do that, wow, they're going to see unbelievable return on investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. And and so specifically, how does does Manage Hub um, make that happen in terms of the software? Yeah. So remember, we talked a little bit about those elements, leadership and strategy and operations and workforce, right? Mm-hmm. Well, all organizations have thought about these areas. It's kind of common sense that the ingenious innovation of Baldridge is that you, all these elements have to be integrated and work together seamlessly. That creates what I call kind of a management machine, right? So I forgot where I'm going with this. What was your question again? Um, just just how, how the software kind of pulls all that oh, stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the difficulty with um, for business owners is how do you create the machine? How do you pull all these pieces together? And that is really the last hurdle that prevents small businesses from adopting because you remember we talked about the L-shaped curve and how businesses um, fail for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. and they, they kind of close. Well, they some of them may even have had very late in their history uh, the aha that they need a management machine and they better get their act together or this whole house of cards is going gonna, is gonna to collapse. And they may have even attempted to build – you know, at least early stages of the management machine, mm-hmm. but they just never made it. They never made it. So what Manage Hub does is it builds the machine for you. It's like accounting software, um, you know, automates – accounting software automates accounting and bookkeeping. Manage Hub automates the management of an organization. Mm-hmm. You still have to use it. You could have yeah. QuickBooks and not use it. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. by the way, there's – there or, or Zero or whatever else they use, and there's tens of thousands of – uh, advisors who just help people adopt QuickBooks or Zero or whatever other software they're using. The same thing is going to be true with Manage Hub because somebody has to hold them accountable, just like you say. Somebody's going to have to onboard them. Somebody's going to have to manage that collaboration. But with what the ingenious thing about Manage Hub is that it organizes people into online workspaces, into what we call process teams. And it engages those people to document and continuously improve the work that they perform. So it basically makes everybody in an organization a leader of their own work. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing thing because it unlocks the hidden potential of people. You know, if you look at an income statement, the payroll is always the most expensive uh, line item, correct? Mm-hmm. And what is the value of a person? Is it just the work that they perform day in or day and day out? Or is it is it also their creativity and insight into what's working and what's broken and their innovation of how, you know, they can add a new product or help satisfy the needs of a customer better? And how many organizations leave all of that value locked in the employee? And to the detriment of the employee who feels very, you know, dissatisfied with uh, their role in the company and also to the organization who who doesn't know that customers are dissatisfied and they could be leaving, you know, because of quality issues or for whatever. Mm. Also, ideas for, you know, skyrocketing growth by just adding a new product line. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to tap that insight, that wisdom. Of your people, so that's what we do with Manage Hub because now everybody has an equal voice and an equal opportunity to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And um, and 
right within the workspace. And, and here's the beautiful thing. Remember I said delegate responsibility responsibly? Mm-hmm. So within Manage Hub, you can delegate responsibility of the management of these individual areas, but with complete accountability and transparency because the owner or the supervisors or anybody really who has access and permissions can log into that workspace and see what the ideas that were contributed, what projects, improvement projects are being managed, what knowledge is you know, being shared within this, for this one work activity. And they can see if this area is a bottleneck, is it Are these people working together? Is a collaboration flowing? So it's just an unbelievable way to engage people. Yeah, great. Um, One thing I've noticed in the accounting profession is cloud technology is um, it's a big topic and and people Mm -hmm. are incredibly interested in it to, to the point where I think sometimes losing sight that software is just a tool and um you know those intangible things that you touched on are, are actually um uh, you know it, it can be the most important thing so it facilitates some of that stuff do you um do you offer support kind of on top of manage hub um to, to the businesses that are in there i am so glad that you mentioned that because there are so many tools competing for people's attention and, um, you know, you could get a strategy tool and you can get a collaboration tool and you could get a, a texting tool and messaging tool. You know, it's just it's mind boggling. You know, yeah, it, yeah. And it gets overwhelming. And here's another tool, Manage Hub. You know, so here's the critical thing to remember. Remember integration? Um, just having a strategy tool. Well, that doesn't that doesn't do. There's no leverage in that. You have to that strategy tool has to work with all the other aspects of your business. So we built Manage Hub specifically to address the holistic requirement of the the framework, the Baldrige framework, where we're engaging all those elements, leadership and strategy and operations and workforce all together harmoniously just the way that, you know, um, you need to, to get the, what I call Baldrige breakthrough or a Baldrige bounce. Because there's, if you go to, uh, do a Google search for Baldrige 2020 report. It's a document that was published by the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And it's eye-opening the kind of return on investment an organization can have if they adopt Baldrige-based practices. And so, um, yeah, um, you need support. You need, uh, so, The tool is just a tool, but associated with the tool is a a full curriculum, an accelerator curriculum that we developed that helps any organization quickly begin their Baldrige journey. And it's called a Baldrige journey because most organizations, when they adopt quality management, they do it as an exercise, a one-time exercise. But it's not a one-time exercise. It's like – they say, go on a diet, you know, and uh, you say, okay, I'm going to go on a diet and then it's going to be done and then I'm going to go have my ice cream sundae again, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Baldridge is a journey because what you want is to integrate performance excellence into the DNA of your organization, institutionalize excellence to the point where it is the way your organization functions. So now you're going to always hire the right people because they know precisely what they need, the kind of people that you need. Um to grow. They're willing to share their knowledge. They're willing to share their ideas. They're willing to help you implement your strategies and they're willing to collaborate. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we're just coming up to time there, so um, I'd like to thank you very much for for coming along today, Mike. Um, what I was thinking was if you could um give me some of those links to things like the 2020 report when we post the podcast we'll feature those there so people can can download them and and find out some more and am i right in saying you've got a success score on your website that people oh, can yeah. test out their businesses yeah um so also um i'll give you the link to our website which is managehubaccelerator.com mm-hmm. and you'll see the success score which was actually developed with the assistance of the outreach branch of the baldridge enterprise it's called the alliance for performance excellence any business can take our self-assessment and they can see a measurement of their current state of maturity they could also use the self-assessment over time to measure improvement okay I so it's very exciting. And, and an accounting firm could do that just like any other business? Absolutely. And there's one other piece to that puzzle. Um, they can also, an organization, as they start to see their maturity improve, they can have the Alliance for Performance Excellence. This is the outreach branch of the Baldridge Enterprise do an, a written evaluation of their business. Okay. So that's that's also an option. And then one other thing that I want to tell you, we're developing something new. It's called Community of Excellence, where business leaders and their employees can – the whole business can join a community, um, and they we help each other adopt Aldridge. Okay, that's great. So that's kind of going back to that accountability thing, hey? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and if we're speaking to accounting firms, um, the, the accounting firm can actually organize a community of excellence for their own – for their own clients. Right, okay. Oh, that's great. Um, well, um, I'm sure we could talk for, for, for a lot longer. To I know, I know. <laughs> I, I can't believe it's over. <laughs> but I really appreciate that. And um, obviously, we'll have all your contact details there. So if any firms want to get in touch with you, um, that will be, I suppose, to say, you know, this crosses borders, right? You know, it's not just a US-based thing. Is, oh, is no. that correct? Worldwide, worldwide. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, I'm sure some people will, will want to get in touch with you. So we'll, we'll include all of your, all your contact details there. Well, thank you very much. No, thank you. Thanks for coming on and, um, we'll, um, we'll wrap it up there. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Mike.